Today we have a special guest. I say special guest, but he's actually a part of our CCC family, Pastor Hal, and his wife is here today, so I'm just going to turn it over to him. What a joy it is to be here, and I'm glad to be a part of this 3C family. Amen. You guys, my wife Pam, stand up here real quick. Pam, she'll be singing at the end. You all have a wonderful worship group here, uh, I believe led by Buddy. And what a, what a strong pianist he is. What a gift. We appreciate the worship team. So uh, it is really a blessing to be here. Pam and I, last time we were here, we were pastors, senior pastors at Grace Church. And since then, Pam and I have stepped aside from being the pastors of the church to where we're Pastor Madison's very honoring that they would. And Pam and I have gone into a mission, and that mission is to reach pastors, ministers, and their wives, and to uh, ministers or spouses, and, and get a chance to share with them as a couple. We have been traveling. We've seen a whole lot of pastors and their wives, missionaries and their wives, church leaders and their wives, and just really working with them, encouraging them, and speaking life into them, and asking God to give them a, a real touch. People say, "Are you going to be their pastor? Are you going to be this? Are you going to be that?" I'm going to start. I'm going to say, "I'll be their friend." They can pick all that other stuff, because uh, you know, I had a few guys text me this morning. You're a spiritual father to me, and. And I just really appreciate those things. But it really comes down to let's get the job done. When you have 1,500 pastors, they say ministers this year will be stepping away from the ministry. That's from Barna. And uh, when you start to look up those stats, they're easy to find on, on the Internet and how many churches are closing. I thank God for Christian Center Church. And I'm very grateful for uh, Pastor Jason and his wife, Leah, who I've known Leah since she was a little girl. Don't tell her I told you this, but you're welcome to. I took her to, to took her and her identical twin sister. Have you seen her identical twin sister? Is I took them to a movie when I was a youth minister of the church. I'm not recommending that, but the, their dad asked me to, so I did. And uh, we had a great time. It was the one uh, phone home or whatever that movie was. See that? I can tell how old you guys are. But you're talking, these two folks and their kids, these two folks are people of high integrity, honesty, transparency. Uh, they love God. They always have. And uh, how they met was miraculous. And so I'm just very honored to be a part of a church that respects and loves their pastor and his wife and his family and how they stand for Jesus. I'm not telling you they're perfect. There's nobody I really know is perfect except for the Lord. My wife comes pretty close to that, but this is the Lord. And uh, it is really a, a blessing to be here and be a part of this church and friends that we've had for a while and be a part of uh, our, our church here. Also, not only am I speaking this Sunday, I'll be speaking the next two Sundays after this. And the theme will be the same legacy, and I'll explain that for in a few minutes, explain that to you. When we uh, look at legacy, after 38 years of being on staff at the same church and a pastor, a little over 36, almost 37 years there, is that it really comes with a lot of value, a lot of things you learn, a lot of things you want to be a part of. And it really is about legacy. Once again, I'll share that in a minute. We want to welcome the folks that are watching online. Let's give them a hand. Please keep in mind when you leave, there is the offering online. You can do, those that are watching online, you can give the Christian Center dot. Everybody say dot. dot. Wow, good group. Church. 
christiancenter.church. That's their webpage. You can give online there, or you can fill out these if you'd like and put them in the offering boxes as you leave. Please do that and be a part of the tithe and giving of this uh, church. And if you're committed to a mission or any project that's going on here at uh, Christian Center, we encourage you to continue in your faithfulness and doing the same. So we encourage you to do that. With that in, in mind... Uh, when we give, we're giving unto the Lord, then the Lord watches over those folks that are stewards over it. So I'm grateful for the people who take that responsibility in the body of Christ to be, have the stewardship of not only the gifts and talents, but that which would people give in, uh, really unto the Lord. I'm pretty, I'm very much of the opinion I give to the Lord and he'll take care of from there the outcome of it. He'll make sure that he balances everything out by the grace of God. So I encourage you to do the same. This Wednesday night, Pam and I both will be sharing. We have, I have a series of eight messages knowing God. We're going to do the first one this Wednesday night. Uh, maybe as time goes on and get a chance to come back again, we can do them. It's a uh, Wednesday night series we do called uh, Knowing God. There's eight different ones that I've gleaned from a lot of ministers over the years and learned from seeking the Lord and being a part of that. One more thought. At our church, in Grace Church in Fairview Heights, the new pastor there was mentored and... Uh, He's one of the spiritual sons there. They're the spiritual kids, if you will, of our church. And um, he's doing a fabulous job. 42 years old, was a missionary in China for a number of years, and then uh, came back home, he and his wife, and three boys, three sons. And they are fantastic people. They even got a dog named Poe. How, how much better is that? <laughs> And so they're doing a fantastic job being the pastors there as Pam and I, as the leadership there, said we'd like for you to take us about some time off for about three months, and we're coming to the end of that. And so getting a chance to speak here is really, truly a very much an honor and a blessing to be here to be a part. So come to Wednesday Night Bible City. It's at 630. Before we go any further, you mentioned about youth camps. Is there young people and those people going to the youth camp? Maybe you're going to drive or whatever. Your young people that are here going to youth camp, would you stand? I want to pray for you because Pam and I have done a ton of youth camps and they're life-changing. All the kids that are going to youth camp and the people are going to be a blessing to them and help them stand. Real quick, I want to pray for you. Just declare a pastoral blessing. Don't be shy. I'm not going to ask your name or whatever. What's your, no, I'm going to uh, pray for you. Father, we declare that these young people and these parents and these friends and those that are working to serve and those that might be watching at home getting ready for this whole uh, ministry together. I pray, God, that every church that is listening, every person that is listening to this service and the people that are here and the young people that are going off this camp, that we will realize that we need to think, pray three generations down from our age and at least one generation up that we can learn from those that have gone before. And Father, we ask you by your grace to anoint them, touch them, use them, speak into their hearts, and let the Spirit of the Lord continue to do that new work within them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. may be seated by the grace of God. Do you have, uh, we, I'd like for the guys to pass out the sermon notes, the teaching notes. They're in a big, they're two pages. Faith did a wonderful job pulling those together and uh, making them look real nice. They're going to pass them out real quick. and. And uh, just ask you to take one or whatever the amount, whatever you need there. And we're going to do the blanks, a few fill in the blanks, and a few times of this doing those, uh, that ministry there. This uh, message this morning, this teaching this morning, really on Father's Day, we're grateful for the fathers that are here. And we, uh, I wanted to reach in when I was praying about this, just reach into my heart and see what Father God says. And we see a guy, this Jesus, on the cross, our Savior. The one who came to set us free from our sin. 
The one that Hebrews 12 says he was wounded for, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 51 says he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, I haven't preached for a little while. The only person I've been preaching to is Pam. So it's gonna t- I might go five or six hours, but I'll try to keep it 25 minutes. <laughs> and in the midst of his uh, taking the beatings of scourgings, in the midst of him fulfilling prophecy, Isaiah writing 750 years before Christ was born, he says these challenges, and he says to us a very interesting Word. When I was in Bible college, we studied the life of Christ, and the instructor there focused in for a few days on the seven last sayings of the cross. In these seven last sayings of the cross, we see where Jesus cries out by his voice, really prophetical, that comes up later, takes place in Hebrews 12. You'll see there in your notes the scriptures that uh, I'm to read, and it is this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set down at the right hand of God, the throne of God. When we are challenged by this, he is saying to us he was focused. He endured means that he was focused. The writers say that he was focused so much that he would not take his focus on what Father God had to say. He was focused so much that Paul is reminding the church, he's saying to him, what you heard in Luke is now brought to really full focus. Because he says then in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, as you see there in your notes, Jesus cries out and he says this, Father, forgive them for they know what, not what they do. They don't understand exactly what they're doing. As he's on the cross, you say, well, this isn't Easter. I've come to the conclusion of following Christ. This, uh, the first week of July, 1971, I came to Christ 52 years ago. Yes, I am 67 years old. I know I don't look a day over 66, but I am now. Here he is, hanging on the cross, pushes himself up with the agony of nails in his feet, nails in his hands, crown of thorns, literally naked and shame, brought to shame before all that was there on Mount Calvary. He pushes up and he says, one of the sayings is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I believe that every day is Christmas and Easter. I believe we should live every day saying the new birth of Christ has come to bring us a life we couldn't get on our own. And our Christ then followed through all the the days, the years, 33 and a half years up on the cross, and we can hear him say those seven last sayings. And the one we're saying now, he's calling out on Father's Day, if you will. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But in that same one, when we talk about it, today is the day of forgiveness. I want to share these this Sunday and the next two Sundays on legacy. You'll see there in your notes, live what you are leaving. Today is forgiveness. Live what you're leaving. 
One day we will all pass from this life to the next unless the Lord comes back in the rapture. My only request to the Lord is I know that I'm going to go with him. I'd like, love to be doing a funeral of a saint that when the trumpet sounds dead in Christ. I want to see that happen. I'm sure we'll get to watch it over and over again. But could you imagine that? And as I look at the scripture and I'm challenged by the scripture, the beauty of it is that Christ on the cross brings this forgiveness and us receiving it as he paid for a debt we couldn't pay. The first blank you'll see there is forgiveness or forgive everyone who is trying to ruin your life. When you pass from this and I pass from this life to the next and maybe I don't go the way of the rapture, maybe I go the way of the grave. I'm not trying to prophesy that I'm just bringing that up. Is that, uh, and they pass by your casket and see how, tell me how good I look now. Don't tell me that when I'm gone. You want to give flowers, give them now. And so, for him, he says, forgive those who have tried to ruin your life, but what are you, what are you living for that you're leaving behind? What will they say about you when they walk away? When they walk away from my grave, they're going to say that Hal Santos, he was a minister. He was a minister of the gospel. He did the process. He finished strong, honored God, all those kind of good things. And it's only by the grace of God. How about you? Matthew chapter 24, verse 10 says, And then many will be offended, betray one another, and will hate one another. Who is a person or the circumstance or the person in your life that has caused you hurt and pain? Maybe even you've done it to yourself. Sometimes in life it's about forgiving yourself as much as it is about forgiving someone else. Luke chapter 17, verse 1, and he said to the disciples, It is impossible that there's no offenses come, because they should come, but woe unto him, though through whom they do come. In other words, the person who caused the offense and the person who received the offense. And what happens when we get offended? What happens when we hang on to it? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19, he says this, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. When we do that, we have actually put bars on the castles, he goes on to say. When we offend someone, we won't let it go. Who has offended you? And who have you offended? And what is the legacy you want to leave behind? What is the legacy that at this point in life you want to live what you are leaving in such a way that people will say he or she forgave? You know, I didn't do just right, but they forgave. When it comes to forgiving, once again, it comes down to to us saying, Lord, I forgive myself of these things. When we talk about this forgiving, we see where Jesus, in this whole legacy, Jesus here is five things that happened to Jesus that he forgave on. And one of these might hit you. Or maybe, I say this dangerously, Maybe we're not too happy with God for a decision maybe he made. There's no stones to throw. We have all looked at the heavens and said, why? Why? We have all looked at the heavens and raised our hand and said, God, I've been waiting. There's one thing to keep in mind is when we're waiting on the Lord, he is never in a hurry. 
this life that we live in right now is preparatory, preparing us for the eternal life that we have in him. Here's the first one, betrayal, Judas, the one who came. The one who on his own that Jesus deeply loved. He trusted him so much that he was the only of the 12 that had an office. He was the treasurer. He was the only one. When he betrayed him, here they are. You've seen the picture of the table and all the communion glasses that are around. He's the one, if you look at it, next time you look at it, he's going to be, I think, the second one person in. Maybe you could Google that if you have one of these in your house. And he leans across the table and she's where the cup falls over where he's going to use in the The author, the artist of that picture Sometimes I look at that, I've heard other people say it, that it looks like that could have been Judas. When he says, when do you betray me? Immediately he says, it's not I. Peter goes on to do his talking and God and Jesus talks to him about it. But who is the person that has betrayed you? And let me ask it even deeper for myself and those that are listening online and those that are here. Who have we betrayed? When we look at this portrayal, it is the saying, the one who loves me the deepest will not give up on me. The second one is this, the false accusation. If there's anything that hurts in a real way in my life is when I'm falsely accused of something I didn't do or something I didn't realize. By nature, by nature, by my own being raised by my mom, I'm a rule follower by nature. If I didn't know that it was a... Now, I'm not going to tell you I'm perfect. I have it, buildings where they say wet paint. I want to back up and touch it. <laughs> they said it was wet. I wanted to make sure I have done that before. How many have done that? Don't lie. You're, you know, come on. So I'm not saying I'm perfect, but if I know it's a rule, I try to follow it as much as I can. Because I just don't want to let... But the careful I have to get onto is really... You can't worship your own integrity. But what are the false accusations that people have said about you, have lied to you and told you different things that push you? Rejection is the third one. One who betrayed him and the others didn't show up for the crucifixion. Social media can be a place, be careful what we believe and what we jump onto and what we hit like to and all those kind of things. When you talk about the rejection that takes place and don't base your life on it because somebody could be ruined in a matter of seconds and they weren't even there. Give someone the chance to redeem themselves and find a redeemer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the fourth one, abuse. Were they in this whole push? Nine o'clock in the morning, blindfolded, the hitting, the storm, the 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 uh, crown of thorns, naked to the world, a little loincloth as some paintings have, nailed to the cross, and a spear stuck in his side to make sure that he was he was dead, or he, and all that took place. He was abused. What are the places where we feel like we are? Isaiah again, fifty one says he was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon. Him, and by His stripes, we are healed. You're looking for healing? It's because of the greatest name that's ever been said, the name of Jesus. And when you ask Jesus to forgive you, when you, He does. When you ask Him to heal you eternally, He does. When it's all said and done, we all get healed when it's all said and done. When we go to be with Him. But when we look at this challenge, 
The last one is to humiliation. Naked, betrayed. He understands us totally when we feel that we've been openly betrayed. He experienced it. Hebrews chapter 12, he said, in all all points tempted, just like we yet without sin. When we look at the whole challenge of this whole forgiveness, keep in mind this, some some thoughts for us about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not, excuse me, forgiveness is an act of the mind before an action in life is even taken. Keep in mind, whatever comes our way, I have to remind myself, whatever comes our way has been filtered by the Father's hands. That's why when we pray, we talk to the heart of God. And then he, from his hand, from his heart, gives to us through his hand. Sometimes we get thank, we get more thankful about what he's given us than what he's heard us say. Yeah. When we when we see him working in such a way, who is it that you need to forgive? What is it? How are you, how do you live today with what you are leaving? What do you want your legacy to be? For your kids to get a few dollars, your grandkids, or to protect it from this one, to give it to that one, or to do it now, or to wait later. What is the legacy? Legacy is much greater than that. Legacy is on this Father's Day. Father, forgive. For they don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not maximizing the seriousness of the offense. Don't say, it's not minimizing or, or the seriousness of the offense. Excuse me, it's not minimizing it. Oh, it's okay, don't worry about it. Everything's fine, we're good, we're good. High five, bump, elbow, whatever you want to do. Don't worry about it. It's, it. You minimize it. It's time to think it through because when we walk away, we're thinking, I can't believe he's taking that so lightheartedly. She's taking it all. It's not minimizing it. It's not saying it's okay, it's no big deal, because it's not okay, and it is somewhat of a deal. It's not reconciliation. Very interesting thought that I'm working through. Reconciliation is a two-way street. It's not just me working at it, it's both of us working at it. It's not just Pam working at it, and I watch to see if she's good enough to really, that she has, it's both of us working together in reconciliation. It is for two people to get together, one's close or one's friends to do it. It is really working through to say, Father God, he knows exactly. Once again, Luke 17, 1. It is waiting for him to say that you are forgiven. It is not, excuse me, it is not waiting for, the, for you to say I'm forgiven. It's, wa- it's walking in that they've asked forgiveness. And let's live a life that's greater than we can come up with it on our own. It's not about what is fair. If I always try to get what is fair, Paul said when I can, he said to the church in Philippi, he said when I want it fair, it's I compare myself against myself. I either show, are on the short side of the stick where I see myself mean, uh, meaning nothing, or on the long side of the stick where I say I am better than everyone. It is the balance between the two that without him we really can do nothing. When we look at this whole thing as fair, C.S. Lewis puts it this way. To be a Christian means to forgive the excusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable. 
in me. He's forgiven the inexcusable. I really have no excuse. And he forgives me. I got no room to criticize you. He's forgiven me. I got no room to so put you on social media. For so before we pick up a stone, as he says in the Gospels, and we want to hurl it at somebody who falls short. It's not only falls short in their marriage, but falls short in life so much. Look what you've done to your... And we just want to hurl that stone. Keep in mind, your handprints is on that stone. And the one who made the stone and your handprint sees it. And when we get to that place, when I get to that place that I can hurl a stone, keep in mind, God will hold me to the hurling of that stone. Because I thought that I should be the judge. I'm not saying that people, you should, act, I'm not even coming close to you, you should act like nothing happened. But I am saying the inexcusable part in my life, let's get together and talk about it. Let's not stop talking about it. Don't bring a gang of people with you to try to straighten me out. Because uh, then I can get, I, uh, the old saying is when I was a kid, then I bow up a little bit. How many have ever bowed up a little bit? You kind of bow up, kind of muscle up a little bit. Forgiveness. When we say, is it fair, we got to look at the cross. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Everybody say gave. gave. Thank you, you folks watching at home. You're saying gave. The last one is, it is not impossible to do. Father, forgive them. It is not impossible to do. I don't know every hurt and every disappointment that people have had here. You don't know mine. And sometimes you need to stop talking about it or talk about it. It's trying to figure out the thing. It's who do you join on your side or who ends up against you? Who wants to just be on the inside track to know what's going on in your life? Who is the person or group of people that think they need to straighten you out or that one was with you? Who are all those people? Who are the people who have been hurt the same way that want to use their hurt to cause your anger to flare up because it makes them feel better that they still can't stand. I'm not going to point anybody. Stand that person over there. Some folks that are watching online are hurting pretty bad. You've been carrying it a long time. Jesus is here to forgive. Amen. That the legacy we leave is the one that we're living. And it is hard. Simple, but deep. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Let's all say, I can do all things. I can do all things. Okay, let's say it with the people that are watching it from home. Let's all say it again. I can do all things, people at home and in the audience. I can do, do all, all things. things. Next, next point. How do I forgive? This section of this uh, teaching, I, when I meet ministers, when I meet Christians who have been Christians, uh, whether a short time or a long time, I ask people almost on a weekly basis, sometimes it's daily, almost on a weekly basis, I say to them this, what can you, what's one thing you can share with me that will help me in my walk and following Jesus? I met a guy just before Pam and I became pastors of the church there in Fairview Heights. Uh, after we were there about a year, 38 years ago, we knew it was coming, that the vote and the whole process that took place, we didn't go there for that ministry. We went there to help that ministry, and then we end up being the pastors. That was We were going as the youth directors, not as the pastor of the church, but God had something else in mind. We went there for six months, 
And this, that was the longest six months of my life that we'll never get back 38 years later. No complaints. Got a chance to pastor some of the most wonderful people in the world, work with deacons and elders. They were magnificent guys. They, were, they would think things through and pray. They weren't yes or no people. They were thinking, what is really God trying to say? What's the vision the pastor's casting that we can say, this is, maybe we can climb the mountain this way rather than plow right up the middle of it? They were, they were really godly, just godly guys. They weren't perfect. Godly guys, decisions we grueled through together. It was a fantastic relationship. And uh, Pam and I, I can't say how much we're grateful to have that opportunity in life spent that you never get back. And it was well spent. During that uh, time, I was riding with a guy by the name of Pastor Dale. Pastor Dale's probably 10, maybe 10, 15 years older than me, or 10 years older than me. Well, I'm driving to the airport. When you're 28, 29, and the guy you're riding with is 40, they just seem old. Now 70s looking like the new 30. Anybody with me? Don't call me old, just call me ready. And uh, so I was riding with him, and I said to him this, Pastor Dale, could you share with me one thing that will help me the rest of my life? Without hesitation, he took me immediately to Matthew Chapter 5, verse 43 through 44. I'm driving. He's the passenger talking. This literally was life-changing to me. Because I learned something that I am learning every day of my life out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 44. And it says this. You have heard that it is said was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Boy, that, makes, that really does make some good sense. Now, I'm talking to folks that you've been hurt deeply. Whether you're watching online, here in the sanctuary, by some doctor's report, family situation, neighbor, business lawsuit, accused of this, and you have no, and where did your friends go? That's where Jesus is standing now. Verse 44, he said, it would be so easy to just hate your neighbor and love your enemy and hate your enemy. But he goes on to say in verse 44, this is where Pastor Dale gave it to me, and it was very strong. Love your enemies, bless your neighbors, well, excuse me, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. How many of y'all have been cursed by somebody? How many don't raise your hand? I won't ask you that. Your kids are in here. <laughs> Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Give your life away and he will give it back to you. There was three things that he told me that whenever you're offended, whenever you need to forgive, how do you forgive? The first one is pray for them. It's awful hard to pray for somebody you can't stand them. Pray for them. He does say leave your, leave your gift at the altar and go find them and talk to them. He gives that right. Who is the person when you pull out your purse or your wallet and in it is a person's picture that you have hanging on the dartboard of your life? And you carry it around with your wallet and you say, see, you're the one that made me broke. You're the one that did. You're the one. He says to us, the very first one, he says to us, pray for them. How do I forgive? I pray for them. What do I pray? God bless them. I don't like them. You go to see the dentist. The dentist looks, says to you, it looks like you're grinding your teeth. That's right, Doc. He says to him, pray for them. 
Don't make it a big spectacle and pull them out and say, I just want to bless you so I look good to everybody else. It's those secret moments when you're all by yourself and the thought comes back. I'm not saying what they did to you or were a part of was, wasn't cruel or mean or basically one-sided and people ran to their side and ran away from you. People believe what was said out there. Be careful. Let the Almighty who knows the fingerprints of the stone that we're throwing see us drop it in the act of forgiveness. He says to pray for them. We want to do as Psalm 58, 6 says, break their teeth in their mouth, O God. Break their fangs of the young lions, O Lord. He's not going to do it. What is the one thing? What is the one thing? Pray for them. Ask God to speak to them. Here's the second one. Bless them. Little more than blessing them. You speak well. You, you pray for them. You bless them. You see, blessing them is speaking well of them. Whether you're in private, whether you're in public. A guy asked me, a pastor asked me a few weeks ago, Pam and I have met with a lot of pastors and their wives. We're really kicking it all off July, the first week of July, so that'll be a part here, the first Sunday in July. But the, kicking it off. And when it really it comes down to it, uh, we have met him. And a pastor was talking to me. He said, I got into a conversation, and what I said was repeated, and I just needed somebody to talk to. And here's, the, here, here's what I want you to understand. Be careful of cozy Comfortable conversations that you really should only have with a restricted person, a person that counselor. I'm I'm for I'm pro Christian. I'm pro counsel. Is that uh, counseling? All those things. You have a best friend that's on. But when we tell a lot of people, it says to bless them. It is actually turned around where he says in Luke six twenty seven. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. I was driving down the street, Pam and I, when we were coming here, we got off on the road. You know, Waze takes you all through these areas and gets you where you need to be. I said, Pam, we've never gone this way before. That's life. She didn't say that, but I could hear the wheels turning. She was driving. She was going with Waze. We went by a grapefruit stand. Those grapefruits were gigantic. I said, Pam, we need to stop and get one of those. Only in Florida. And, but when I was thinking, I was going to bless those who, and can you imagine, you come home and somebody that really hated you was mean to you, and you brought them a grapefruit from Florida. He's saying to them, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. They know what they've done to you. Just let God deal with it. Release it. Why is that? The next few weeks is really thinking for all of us that are watching online and here in the the sanctuary is live what you're leaving behind. That when your name comes up, you say, well, I won't care. I'm dead. The gospel cares. He's warning us. He's speaking to us. Am I a unifier or am I always right? Whether you like it or not, I'm the one that's right. Love your enemies, good due to. Romans chapter 12, verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless those who do not curse. 
Those who persecute you and bless those and do not curse. Do not pronounce curse on them. Do not say to them, they are this, they are that. Speak well of them. Be smiling to them. Be kind to them. Be in their... Here's the next one. Do good to them. This is the one that can kind of rock our world. Do good to them. So I pray for them. God help them. God bless them. God change them to be the way I want to be. No, no, no. I pray for them. The pastor went on to say, bless them. Blessing them means find out what they really enjoy. Now, be careful. You might want to give it a few days before you do this because people say, well, I'm glad you listened. You finally brought me this gift. Find out what they like. There was a person that really had a hard time with me, and I couldn't figure out how they were, why they were having a hard time with me. I wasn't having a hard time with them, but they just have a hard time with people, and I wanted to be nice to them. And I said to I whispered to them one day, I said, I love chocolate. <laughs> how many of y'all love chocolate? Yeah. See? That's right. You'll be you'll have strong wings going to heaven. I love chocolate. I said, "What kind of chocolate do you like? Dark chocolate or milk chocolate?" Who likes milk? I love milk chocolate. It's a disappointing time around Easter time. When I was a kid, you get these Easter bunnies. They're this big, and they were full of chocolate. Now they're hollow. But we won't get into that criticism. They said they love dark chocolate. They said, what kind of chocolate do you like? I said, I like milk chocolate. They didn't realize, in our, in my, maybe in my not getting along with them as well, they realized they weren't getting along with me well. And so I thought, the next time I see them, I'm going to bring them that dark, dark chocolate. So I went and got dark chocolate. Nice little basket of it. Dark chocolate. And so I go to the go to the, go to to the this brother, and I say to him, "Hey, I got something for you." I reach reach in my pocket, pull out this dark chocolate, said, "Here, I want to give you this. I want to bless you with this gift. I want to give you this gift of dark chocolate." And I'm thinking to myself, "I am a saint." <laughs> and then he said, "He goes like this." I want to give you this milk chocolate. You know what that meant? I was really meaner than him. He had to bring a whole lot. He wasn't that bad of a guy. Here's the third one. Do good to them. Do something unexpected. Romans 12, 17 through 21 says, Repay no one evil for evil. They had it coming. Is there anyone in the last 24 hours, you just got mad and you shook your hand. You didn't tell them you're number one. You just shook your hand at somebody when you were driving and then they came up next to you and looked at you and you, went, and you were acting like you were worshiping the Lord. And all Don't raise your hand. Pray for them, bless them, and do good to them. He says, you repay, <laughs> repay no one <coughs> evil for evil. God knows what's in our heart. Have regard for the good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, turn to somebody and say, if it is possible, even the folks at home, if it is possible, turn to somebody and say that. As much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place and but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance in mind, I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. He's not talking about stale 
food. After he's told you to pray for him and bless him, if he likes his steak medium well, do not give it to him well done like a hockey puck. I will repay. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. What does he say? Don't give him something. If he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you have heaped coals of fire on his head. I love the coals of fire. Do not respond to that. People at home, do not nudge somebody next to you. For in doing so, it's heaping heaps, heap coals of fire on their head. And do not overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. Let me give you the history there. In the book of Romans, the church in Rome, whenever somebody would uh, bring somebody a gift, whenever somebody would pray for them, bring something to them, speak well of them, they realize Paul here is now saying the most valuable thing that is happening in the community is the coals of fire because at, at nighttime you could cook with them and stay warm by them. During the daytime they would keep them together because there was a certain coal there where it was very valuable. So they would get a homemade shovel and they would take these coals and when they knew that they needed to bring they would bring this coals over to their friend. And it was a sign of saying, I'm not cursing you. I'm not being mean to you. I'm just going to leave these coals for you. Pray for them. And that person knew that these coals were so valuable because they would have them for a number of days. Who is the person that we want to put hot coals? What he's saying is you've got to lift the value of you praying for them. Do good to them. Speak well of them. When we start to do good, when we bless them, when we speak well of them, it picks it up a little bit and God begins to do something so great. And he says to us, and we leave the room and God deals with them. God deals with them then. And he says to them, God says, I will, the Holy Spirit instructs Paul to write, I will repay them. These coals were in such a way that he would bring him life. Matthew chapter 10 verse 8 says, heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have given, freely, freely you receive, freely give. He is pressing us. Closing thought. He is pressing us to forgive. At age eleven, my brother was twelve. My other brother was oldest brother. Half brother was seventeen. We went to school one morning, came back, and our father was gone. We didn't see him. I didn't see him from the age of 11 to 31. 20 years later, when my daughter, who's now 42, but she was about five years old then, wanted to meet him for the first time. Pam and I found him, loaded up our daughter, went to Puerto Rico. Where was that? And when we found him, great guy, nice guy, we got to see each other. But this is the point. I called him on the phone. This is back before caller ID. This is back before... uh, Cell phones, this is still rotary phone time. I called him on the phone. He picks up the phone, and his name was Heraclio. And I said to him, Heraclio, that's all I said. He said, is this my son, Hal? At 31, I got saved when I was 15 years old on my front porch. What is that, 26, 16 years later? I hear the voice. 20 years later, I hear the voice. Someone who I have not talked to, written a letter to, heard any contact to. Is this my son, Hal? He had three boys. Is this my son, Hal? I want to live 
what I'm leaving. That there's no surprise to anybody. His legacy was this. That doesn't surprise me at all. That's a huge challenge. And I cannot do it without God's help. The challenge I have for our church here today and those that are watching online, who and what is it you need to forgive? Pam's going to come along with Buddy. He's going to play the piano. Who's going to be, who is the person? What's the situation? Not making light of any of it. There is, you need counseling, you need Christian counseling, you need uh, assessment, you need all those kind of things. But when it comes down to it, it is about forgiving me, maybe forgiving God, forgiving yourself, maybe forgiving somebody in the church or somebody that, man, you're glad you moved away from them. But he's calling you to forgive. This morning as they sing through this, our Father, imagine him saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. For all those watching at home and those here in the sanctuary, every head bowed, the folks at home as you are part of this, this is a very private, personal request. You say, I am having a hard time forgiving them. Maybe they're passed away. Maybe they moved to another state. I'm having a hard time forgiving me. I'm having a hard time forgiving God. I'm having a hard time in a situation, circumstance that just didn't work out the way I planned. The question is, in this private moment, if I'd say let's stand, I would say that the majority of us would willingly stand. But right there in your heart, Who is it you need to speak a blessing on? Who is it that you need to say good words about and mean them? Who is the person that we need to love, pray for, speak well of them, get them a gift or do something kind for them, kind gesture of hello. But right now, as Pam sings through this again, dear our Father, Begin to ask the Lord in your private moment, your private moment, who you need to forgive. And then God's going to give you instruction, how's that work, without condemnation. Before she sings, I want you to think about this. The difference between condemnation and conviction is this, who you run to. Condemnation is shame and all those games. It's not that. It's being honest enough to say, I want to run to him. And by his conviction, help me grow because he is going to help me to live a life I can't live on my own. Maybe it is you need to ask Jesus to forgive your sins. That prayer is, Jesus, forgive me my sins. Come live in my heart. Be my Savior and say amen to that. And then ask somebody to pray with you that's around you. But as she sings it through, if you want to stand, if you want to come here to the front, Uh, whatever it is, but it's a private moment right where you're at. You don't have to go anywhere because God is right there with you. As she sings it through, what is the prayer? Father, in Jesus' name, God, I pray that this will be a week of self-forgiveness, a week of getting to know you more, a week of your purpose being alive and well, a week of just saying, Lord, who's the person that really... I need to find out what they enjoy. They might not like chocolate. God, but help me. It might be a smile. It might be I forgive you. It might be looking ourselves in the mirror and say, God, 
I forgive me. God, some of my most anxious moments in life have been things that I have done or said that I wish I could take back, but I can't. But I can take back my own self-rulership and say, Lord, I surrender to you. And I ask you, Lord, to change me. Father, if there's anyone here, whether they're watching a lion here in the sanctuary that haven't asked you into their life, prayer goes like this. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me my sins. Come live in my life. Be my Savior. Help me to live this life I can't live on my own. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap offer. Okay. Hey, don't forget the offering boxes and give it online to christiancenter.church. Uh, thank you, and please let us know if you accepted Christ and need prayer for anything. God, by his grace, will uh, work all things out. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for letting me go a little longer. I don't know what time you get out, but uh, I tried to avoid 1 o'clock. But uh, uh, fathers that are here, they have a gift for you up here in the front. We encourage you to come get, get one and receive one. Let's all stand. Let's get, get one, receive one. Pam and I will be here sharing at 6.30, about 30, 35 minutes uh, in Bible study. We're going to start talking about the first uh, knowing God step, knowing God lesson. And so uh, I encourage you to come the next two Sundays I'll be sharing here at 10 o'clock. And uh, that's what time service is, huh? 10? And I'm glad you're here. Turn to somebody and say, you are forgiven. Thank you to folks watching online. Men, uh, dads, come get one of these. They're up here in the front. Faith has them right there by her. Let's come.